12. Now a jab play and scores! Bobby McMahon comes right out of the corner. McMahon comes right out of the corner and stuffs it in the near post under the pad of Bennington and the Leafs have a one-nothing lead. Kept in again by the Leafs. Brody with a shot. That was blocked in front. Another shot. Scores! Bobby McMahon scores from the corner. Holy mackinac! The Leafs have a two-goal lead. Raw is scrummed into the corner. Brody got it freed up. Leafs get it ahead and it's banked out in center ice. Going towards the empty net. Scores! Off the boards it is. with secondary scoring. Obviously. Hey, it's Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, and Daniele Franceschi filling in for an ill front gunning. Happy Valentine's Day, Daniele. Oh, happy Valentine's Day, Ben. That's very kind of you. Thank you for having me in this seat today, keeping it warm for Gunner. Uh, I mean, it was a happy Valentine's Day for Bobby McNann, too, or the, uh, Valentine's Eve. Yeah. What a dramatic way to get the hat trick, too. But, yeah, no, great to be here. Thank you for having me. This is fun. This is this will be very, very cool. Very surreal for me, Ben. I got to admit. Yeah, this is great. man. Well, you've earned it. Uh, and it, it's great to have you in for uh, for the next three hours. And, and, and what a... What a <laughs> what a collection of narratives we have to, mm-hmm. to go over today. We'll get to the Morgan Riley five-game suspension. But, yeah, we knew he wasn't going to play in yesterday's game. At least it was going to be one gamer. Uh, it ends up being a five-gamer. What we didn't expect going into that game against the St. Louis Blues team that had won seven of its previous eight was that the Toronto Maple Leafs would also be without John Tavares and Mitch Marner, who I guess have been making out with Brent Gunning. Uh, they were <laughs> ill. Had flu-like symptoms. Also, Martin Jones picking up yeah. an injury. So Dennis Hill to be looming on the bench. And lo and behold, you got a team facing uh, another team, like I said, that was red hot and playing for their uh, playoff lives each and every day in the Western Conference, finally getting themselves back into a wild card spot in the West. And, of course, it's the undrafted Bobby McMahon uh, 27 years old, has never played a full season in the NHL with the hat trick. Honestly, uh, I'll just speak for me. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why I love sports is that you can have like more than $40 million tied up in four forwards and guys that were all drafted in the top 10 of the first round and two of those four guys be out of the game and it's this undrafted kid who played for the Bonneville Pontiacs who scores the hat trick and is is the story of the game. Yeah, can can if we can uh if we can just be all cliché on this, you can't teach work ethic. Like it's it, the way he plays. It's it's gritty, it's blue collar. Um it, it's him just showing a willingness to do the things that other guys might not be willing to do. And that's why he goes out there, has a hat trick. His first goal was fantastic. It's just a, it's just like a powerful finish. You're like, wow, why can't other guys on this team do that on occasion? And it's a testament to just his readiness, the work ethic that he possesses. I, I mean, it was really impressive. And what's weird to me too is, you know, you, you cite Ben, hey, some of these guys that were out, Riley, I mean, yeah, obviously Riley with the suspension, but Tavares and Marner with the illnesses and, and the guys, Steve's also stepping in and not really knowing as of yesterday afternoon until I think Sheldon Keefe said it was like 5 p.m. almost. Yeah. These guys weren't sure they were even going to play. And one of them, Bobby McMahon, goes out and has 
a hat trick. They also put together what seemed to be really a complete performance. Um, one of their better all-around performances of the season. They haven't allowed 15 shots or fewer in eight years. Yeah, like, It's the first time in eight years that they've done that, mm-hmm. and they did it with a shorthanded roster. To me, it was really impressive ac- across the board from the Leafs. Yeah, they showed proof of concept here, right? Like this is let, – let, let's go back to a season ago where, okay, they had uh, – a different blue line, but it wasn't like an overwhelming. Mm-hmm. There was no Victor Hedman's on yeah, last year's yeah, yeah. blue line, but that was one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. Now they got great goaltending performances, uh, specifically from Ilya Samsonov. But what came first, the great team defensive mm-hmm. play or his incredible? I, I would say it was kind of those things working in combination. If I'm Sheldon Keefe, I'm rolling back the tape of yesterday's game when it comes to whether this team can can get back to being one of the better defensive teams in the National Hockey League. It's there. It's all there. And obviously, they're better with those better players. But I, I got to say, there's there's something to be said. I, we talked to, to Craig Simpson last week about, hey, these depth players not getting the minutes um, that they would so desire and what comes first, them playing well enough to deserve the minutes or do they need the minutes to prove that they can actually uh, keep those minutes and earn them? And it, it takes a game maybe like yesterday with so many people missing and and Max Domi plays his most minutes as a as a Toronto Maple Leaf to to maybe open some eyes here. And and maybe maybe there is a, a different deployment going forward for this Leafs team. It should send a message, if anything, to those other guys to say, hey, consistency matters. That's the one common through line with this team for years. It's been that they're consistently inconsistent. And I don't think it's a lot to ask for your team to be consistently motivated, play with urgency. Uh, bring the energy on a nightly basis. And if that's like, if, if you can't get that from the guys that you're paying 40 plus million dollars to collectively, then okay. You, there is a way you can win hockey games mm-hmm. and it's, it's through that it's, it's as you put a proof of concept, but in the sense that structurally they were the best they've looked all year. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't require you to have $11 million players on the ice per se. It's just an idea that you need to be committed to what you're trying to execute. And it should send a message to those guys. It's almost like a happy accident that they were absent from the lineup yesterday uh, because those guys came out and were hungry to play, Mm -hmm. which is, again, something that you routinely see this team struggle with. It was like right from the moment the puck dropped, you could sense that they they were the more desperate team. They were the hungrier team. To me, that counts for something because that's that's been the recurring problem and theme with the Toronto Maple Leafs for years in this current with this core group of players. That's always been a question. And why does it take for them or half of them to be absent in order to get that type of performance? That's what I think we need to kind of crack the code on here. Yeah, I, I mean, they need to have their attention grabbed, right? It seems yes. pretty clear. Uh, 15, 2, and 1 without Morgan Riley over mm-hmm. the last two years, which is insane. The record without Austin Matthews is also insane for this team. I think it's pretty clear that, yeah, I, listen, night in, night out for this team, uh, also understanding that they will be judged on their postseason uh, success or failure, not necessarily the regular season. It seems pretty clear to me that these guys, whether it's conscious or subconsciously, it's tougher, right? Like mm-hmm. over an 82-game regular season to get up for every game, especially considering that you know your opponent is as geared up for every road game in your building, um, especially if they're a Western Conference team like the St. Yeah, Louis you Blues. Cir- they circle that date, They whereas it's different for you. But one thing, actually, just on that point there, I guess, okay, I guess I empathize, I get it, because, 
hey, they, they, they're, their spot's secure, right? Like the, top, the guys in the top six, guys, as we know, we go through the names, uh, the Matthews, the Marners of the world. They're, they're not concerned with, hey, I have two, three bad games. I'm going to be sitting upstairs. That's not happening with them. But at the same time, you, how do you find that happy medium? Maybe like the stakes need, there needs to be stakes attached to these games. And that's where yesterday there were stakes involved for the younger players, the guys further down the lineup that had more of an opportunity, even heck the Domi Bertuzzi Robertson line that looked mm. just reinvigorated, oh, inspired, right? And and they didn't even produce offense. They didn't score. No, but, because Tyler Bertuzzi yeah, plays didn't. on that line. Yeah, <laughs> he can't he can't find it. He's just he's really fighting it in terms of putting the puck in the net. But it was it looked like a different team almost. They just had a a different vigor about them that you don't see. And so maybe as you put it, the attention just needs to be grabbed and seized for a moment to mm-hmm. say, hey guys, this is an example as to why we got to wake up because. The one thing, and I try to preach this too, even when I coach basketball, mm. habits travel. You develop habits, they travel, and, and they stay with you. You need to have good habits, and especially when you're gearing up for game 83, ultimately, that's what we're trying to strive towards here. You got to be able to have all the good habits in place so that it carries over. You don't just flip a switch. Yeah, and obviously the retention is going to be grabbed because, you know, and well, as long as they open up the standings page on NHL.com, yeah, their yeah. attention should be grabbed, and it should can it, you know, coming up later on this week, they got another team that's going to be battling uh, for a playoff spot. Except it's in their conference, and the Philadelphia Flyers, who many people expected to tail off, that hasn't happened yet, may still. But uh, yeah, so you got two full things happening here. You're battling for your playoff lives, and you're without uh, some of your most significant players. So imagine the Tyler Bertuzzi of it all. Poor Tyler Bertuzzi. <laughs> I guess. I mean, he's making it's I, you know, the money does yeah. make it a little more palatable. I'm sure for Tyler Bertuzzi, who hasn't scored since December 27, mm-hmm. looking in his rearview mirror now, like I think Bobby McMahon looks like the T Rex in Jurassic Park. He's only one goal back. I know, and he's played like half the games. <laughs> he's played like half the minutes. <laughs> And he's Bobby McMahon, and you're Tyler Bertuzzi, and you were this team's sig- most significant offseason signing. It's not ideal. I will say, though, I, I mean, it's over for him as far as the counting stats. Mm-hmm. At the end of the season, the, base, the hockey reference page is going to look awful, and he's a free agent again. Yep. So he's like, that's not ideal for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was but, hoping to cash in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, I mean, you go back and you look at his hockey reference page from a season ago. This is a guy that scored 30 goals. Mm-hmm. He's done that once. Mm-hmm. But he got the $5.5 million on a one-year deal because of the strength of his 10 playoff points in the seven-game series for the Boston Bruins. So there's 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 still the potential of salvaging this season. And I will say, I mean, yeah, you said it. Look at the way that line played. From an aesthetic standpoint, well, and also there's a numbers standpoint. Shada uh, Goldman with a, a great write-up on The Athletic today about what exactly is happening to Tyler Bertuzzi. He's been one of the, the most snake-bit players in the NHL if you – combined like expected goals and the actual goals scored he's creating chances and nobody watched that game yesterday said like Tyler Bertuzzi was no good he just couldn't finish and you know even you know opportunities to have assists that that were grade a opportunities getting power play opportunities and Max Domi wide open in front of the net (laughs) nothing's going in for Tyler Bertuzzi once it touches Tyler Bertuzzi's stick it's guaranteed not to go in the net right now yeah yeah I the the thing but I do think this is like we talk about the box score that it can be deceiving. So if you didn't, if you didn't watch that game yesterday, you'd look and you say, Oh, okay. Another tepid night for that line. It's whatever they were. Out. Okay, cool. You know, Domi over oh, the time the, his ice time was up. Great. 
you know, naturally you would expect that because of the guys that were missing. But you watched it and you felt that there was something tangibly different there. And even Nick, like Nick Robertson has tons of bite and jump right now. He's mm-hmm. playing out of his mind. And statistically, it's, I, I just think, got to be careful sometimes with the counting stats because the process still matters. Mm-hmm. And those guys have definitely, if we're process driven here, have been very, very Results good. matter, though, too, no, right? No, they like, do. And, they... and the Leafs look like a, a very different team standings-wise if Tyler Bertuzzi is scoring at a 30-goal pace at this oh, point no, in the season. No question. I, but I, I guess the question to circle back on, even with Tyler Bertuzzi, is, like, what did they expect from him? Like, you know, they paid him 5.5, but what did they expect? Like, did they expect the 30-goal version of Tyler Bertuzzi playing on a first line? That he could be the uh, the the power forward of that line with a with a Matthews and a Marner or Matthews and an Elander, however that alignment would have sorted itself out, or did they say, you know what, he's a quality player, mm-hmm. he's gonna do all the hard work, he's gonna be physical, he's gonna forecheck hard, he's gonna do all these things, and we can live with the fact that maybe there'll be some kind of regression in the offense. Danielle, it's a great question and it's a great point because like i said this is a guy that did score 30 goals a couple of years ago and last season now he only played 50 games because of injury only scored eight goals like he's he's played now exactly the same number of games that he played uh in two stops last year in detroit and boston he scored two fewer goals so he's on a slightly worse pace but like pretty comparable pace goal scoring Mm -hmm. wise to what he did a season ago and last season some of those points actually came on the power play, four of the eight goals on the power play, mm. six of the 22 assists on the power play between Detroit and Boston. He's getting, I mean, second power play opportunity uh, time with the Maple Leafs, which is no uh, power play <laughs> opportunity <laughs> time. No, it, it's a great question. And yeah, I think some people were maybe taken aback from by the fact that he only got a one-year deal yeah. in free agency. Now, it's not, not for an insignificant sum, five and a half million bucks, but that's that's a great point. Like, okay, this is a guy that, that scored 30 goals, but to your point, once in the NHL, now he has a couple of 20-goal seasons before that as well with the Red Wings. Mm-hmm. But in his recent sample at the National Hockey League level, across a couple of pretty good teams, or at least one good team uh, in the Boston Bruins, he just hasn't been that same guy goal-scoring-wise. Now, that being said, he's been put in an incredible opportunity uh, Opportunity here with this Toronto Maple Leafs team. Started the season skating alongside Austin Matthews since he's been bumped down to what was the hottest line on this Leafs team early in the season when John Tavares and William Nylander mm-hmm. was going great. So, yeah, there's really no excuse. But to your point, what could you have expected out of a guy who only scored eight goals last year? That, I think, is the interesting question. And and I wonder what if somebody were to pick the brain of Bradtree Living, Sheldon Keefe, and like, hey, what did you foresee? What was your vision for him? Just to have insight into that. But I will say, if I if I had to nitpick and say, all right, what can you do differently? Well, why can't you do a little bit more of like what Bobby McMahon did? Like, who's to say? You're a far more mm. skilled, talented player. Uh, you have more pedigree and experience. Why can't you play that brand of hockey? That is sort of, a, if I had to, if I had to guess, mm-hmm. venture out, and and take a wild guess. It's that kind of brand of hockey that they were hoping they'd get from him. Why can't you be bleeding like Jake McCabe? Yeah, like what well, I mean, 
The, but that's what you need. And and naturally, look at the signings they they went out and made, right? It's Bertuzzi, it's Domi, it's Reeves, Klingberg, we know, whatever. That was that was a disaster. Yeah. But what do those guys, all three of them, have kind of in common? They're known for being kind of feisty, chippy guys mm-hmm. and, and bringing that sandpaper to your lineup. So you know what's missing. You're not getting that from Matthews. So you're not getting that from 88. That's for sure. God, don't get me started on 88. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not the. I'm not a knee liner guy. Uh, Marner, like you're not getting it in those areas. So you know you need to supplement that skill mm-hmm. with some of the other elements that you need on mm-hmm. a hockey team. And I think that would be part of the equation. And I don't think we've seen that element of his game yet in full effect. Either. Yeah, and I don't think he uh, talked about this a little bit. Um, this season when it comes to Tyler Bertuzzi. I don't think it's it's very difficult, even in a playoff race, but it's very difficult to to get the best version of that from Tyler Bertuzzi in February, mm-hmm. right? And I, the Maple Leafs are paying for April and May, and they hope June from Tyler Bertuzzi. So yep. there's, there's still time to salvage his counting stats to a degree during the regular season, although I, I think it's far gone. Um, but he can... He can salvage his perception and maybe he his free agent value with an incredible postseason run. Uh, Maple Leafs finally got a power play in this game. <laughs> Tail end of the second period <laughs> yeah. after going without one on Saturday against the Ottawa Senators. Before that, in the Stars game, they got three and they scored on all three. Um, and Maple Leafs did not score yesterday with Jake McCabe running the point despite his like, single-digit career power play points. <laughs> um, did, does that... I could, do you tinfoil hat it up? Because I, I, I've, I've kind of, and we'll talk about it a little bit uh, later on with the Morgan Riley suspension of mm-hmm. it all. But do you buy into the idea that that referees are loath to, to call penalties on the Maple Leafs because the the external perception might be that the the league would be biased towards its most uh, famous franchise? Ooh, it's always a sensitive subject. This stuff. Um, I try not to to draw these parallels and 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 bring in like make these these connections when it comes to the officiating. But I will say in certain instances, I, I definitely see the validity to it and, and people that point these things out. Um, like even last night for an ex, as an example, and I, and I know it made the rounds, but that incident with, you know, Jake McCabe in the corner, right, mm-hmm. where he gets bumped and then Domi comes in as, you know, not, well, retaliate, but, you know, defend his teammate. And it's a very innocuous kind of, check into the boards and he gets called for the penalty. Whereas two seconds prior, we saw something exactly the same occur. They don't get the benefit of the whistle. I think that's part like it. I think it, it happens. It's, it's real. It does occur, but you have to kind of play through. And we're going to talk about it right now in a second with Morgan Riley. There is a tax that seems to be at play here. They pay a tax when it comes to, discipline for whatever reason they're the toronto maple leafs and they don't get the benefit of the whistle they don't always get the benefit of disciplinary uh reaction from the nhl you just gotta you gotta deal with it i i try not to really pay too much attention Mm. to those things i gotta be honest i mean yeah because you can make the argument oh it's out of your control The, the thing is it is in your control to some degree there are things you can do to influence it and i think Maybe we'll see yeah, some of that yeah, today. Yeah. Brad True Living is going to speak, by the way, uh, about Morgan Riley's five-game suspension. But I, And we've heard Sheldon Keefe kind of like tiptoe around the subject. There are things you can do, though, because you have access to the world of hockey media mm-hmm. after every single game, after every single practice. Like, you can make headlines every day mm-hmm. if you want in the NHL. 
if you're Sheldon Keefe or Brad for living in regards to uh, yourself feeling aggrieved. All right, let's do it. Morgan Riley, yep. five-gamer handed down by the NHL Department of Player Safety. Uh, in-person hearing turns into a Zoom meeting <laughs> because there's a snowstorm in New York City. And so the in-person hearing allowed him the possibility of being suspended for more than five games, more than five games that could have gone to an independent neutral arbitrator to, um, to appeal the decision under six games. And you can still appeal, but it's to Gary Batman and probably not something that Morgan Riley's going to do. Uh, the video is hilarious. I love the guy's voice. I don't know if we need to play it, but yeah. like, who who is the guy? It's it's not George Peros. No, it's not. I w- that was my first initial reaction. I will pull up the video. I'm watching. Like, who's ex- like? What is this? Yeah. It sounded like an AI generated voice almost, where it's like he's going through and he's like, "This is a cross check." Let's yeah. be clear, right? Yeah. So much of the what almost three minute video is explaining things that are patently obvious, yeah. like I oh, and the, the Morgan Riley is upset, and then he. You know, <laughs> He he does something that's clearly not a hockey play. There's no debate about that. Um, and and the stick made contact mm-hmm. with uh, Ridley Gregg's head, no question. But what you're also saying is that, okay, well we I assume the precedent of of David Perron's six gamer would be used here, right? That seemed clear. Yep. And David Perron getting six games and and him laying the lumber to Artem Zub's head. I mean that that seemed clear when you're talking about an in person hearing that that's what we would be going off. Instead, it's five games. Uh, what was your initial reaction? Probably slightly excessive, um, but I'm not, I wasn't surprised. I, I thought for sure it would be in that, in that vicinity. Uh, I thought realistically, maybe it warranted a three game suspension. Uh, if that like, I don't know, there, there, are, there's a history of, similar incidents occurring where you've got guys that are, I, and and I guess the explanation that was provided is that, Hey, it wasn't a mutual jousting that was going on. It was, sure. it was Morgan Riley targeted him and he mm. pursued him from a great distance. Like they literally go into that. I just, I just thought, what do you expect the guy to do? Like, what is he, what are you supposed to, you're supposed to, to do? punch him in the head? You're supposed to drop your stick. And then I like, don't know. That's so punch much him. like, that's so much better. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, I, to me, it just seemed or cross check him in the kidney. It, like it just seemed a little bit uh, excessive, but again, I wasn't surprised. And I think what probably deserved a, and warranted a three game suspension gets five because there's your two game tax of, Hey, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, and secondarily, they say, "Well, it's a pre." It was basically like it's a premeditated act. Mm-hmm. He he went and skated from the neutral zone and knew he was going to go and t- take his stick to the guy's head, which I don't necessarily think that's that's the case per se. Um, also, what's interesting is it's it's the only, and I guess if you want to somewhat spin it positively, second only the third time ever that an in-person hearing has resulted in yeah. fewer than six games. Well, this so, is it. so they they primed the market. So the, the market's ready to explode, right? Like, there, yeah. there's, there's, we're ready to take to the streets here in the city of Toronto. <laughs> Many people already did preemptively because of the in-person hearing and because of, as you mentioned, the precedent of once you go there and mm-hmm. once the NHL has the ability to suspend you for more than five games, why wouldn't yeah, they? They and, usually do. And usually they do. And especially you can't make it all the way to New York City and, you know, go on your hands and knees and beg in person. <laughs> How How's it going to be less than yeah. six games? So they prime this city... To, to be for the worst, right? And then they back it off a game, and it's still, I think, 
most sane people that aren't in the Ottawa region, I think would say that that's a little excessive for an incident that, again, didn't result in any significant injury. Mm -hmm. And really, Greg, once, as uh, Ryan Reeves rightly pointed out, nobody was on top of him. He got up. He was fine. And now he's a, he's a hero. I think they're going to give him the keys of the city in, in Ottawa. <laughs> he was celebrated again yesterday. He scored a goal yesterday, too. Yes, yeah. he scored a goal. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they, he's like every time he touches the puck in Ottawa. They love him. Yeah, yeah that, and listen, there's, there's very little to be excited about this season in Ottawa with that mm -hmm. Senators team. So, all, all, all the power to you. But yeah, they they prime this city to get upset. We did the preemptive thing where it's like, what what are we talking about here? How can you compare that to David Perron, who cross-checked Artem Zuv directly in the face? He got the wrong dude, but like, that's a, to to me way more egregious than a slight ride up of the mm -hmm. shoulder and certainly a different level of power that Morgan Riley applied than David Perron. I think the NHL Department of Player Safety, while I think it's excessive, I think they played this well in the court of public opinion because it's hard not to have the take, well, they could have gone, they could have gone above and yeah, beyond. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They could have gone David Perron. That would have been worse. I think it's too many, but like what are we talking about when we're talking about five three, two, right? Like they, we are parsing at that point. No, I am with you on I I, I agree. Um you know I I I wonder it just seemed also I would say this it seemed like they didn't really consider the fact that he had no prior history mm -hmm. like they didn't David really Perron care. didn't either. Yeah, I mean, that's he had true. been fined once. That that's that's a good point as well. But it seemed like they didn't really care about that no. at all. Uh and it was it was even as included in their video. First time offender, mm -hmm. he's never done anything before. Yeah. And yet they didn't, you know, I was thinking, okay, maybe that plays into his hands. I also think um, it, it, the fact that the Leafs were so insistent on making this, like actually trying to make that trip to take the the onus of of getting on a plane, going there, they were hell bent on trying to defend this. And mm -hmm. I think we're going to see today with Bradtree Living speaking what what their messaging is or what well, their you case heard that might in the, have been. In the video, they did mention that hey, the Riley's defense was that I didn't directly contact him in yeah, the yeah. face. Yeah, that it rid up, uh, it rode up his shoulder, which is true. That is true. I mean, yeah. it was still... They even slowed it down and they showed you. <laughs> it, was, it was high on the shoulder. I guess uh, we're, we're like debating degrees of of, uh, of of shoulder contact first. But anyways, um, so he's going to miss the five games. Yep. He's now got five, uh, four more games to go. Mentioned later on this week, uh, an important game against the Flyers team that's not going away. But after that, I mean, you got the Blues again mm -hmm. on the road. And it wraps up with the defending champs. But this is not exactly... When you look at a team that has a bunch of tough games to go in the second half of the season, this... This is actually not the worst stretch of games to be missing your number one defenseman. No, I looked at the schedule yesterday too, and I uh, that I that I was struck by that same thought. So, if last night's game is it would be counted as one, right? So he he would be back for that game against Vegas. So he would only miss he's because they play Anaheim on Saturday night. So they get they are they are he would be back for that game. Right. Yeah. So yeah. so it's. Like you're missing, yes, you missed the Philly game. That's one at home. You'd probably, obviously, would love to have him in your lineup. You're hopeful that you can have Tavares and Marner back in the lineup at that point, uh, so that you're you're getting a, a more healthy lineup. But beyond that, yeah, Anaheim, St. Louis again, then mm -hmm. Arizona on the road. You're like, okay, we can live with that. We can tolerate that because ideally, you're getting him back for the Vegas game, and you keep going, and you're you're off and running from there. So I think that's kind of the baseline. Um, last point on this. So I mentioned Brad for yep. living is going to address this today. Sheldon Keefe said, I'm washing my hands of the entire situation did not address it post game yesterday. 
which is smart. They're going to have a singular voice on this. I thought it might be Brenda Janahan. So did I. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Brad Treliving today who is going to address the suspension. So two questions for you, Daniele. What do you think he will say? And what do you want him to say? Ooh, I do think he'll uh, he'll levy some criticism towards the NHL and the Department of Player Safety. Uh, I, I think he's going to... I do think it'll be a little bit more muted than what we hope it'll be, where he's going to come out, he's going to say, hey, look, we're going to defend Morgan Riley. We wanted to make sure we had the opportunity to actually present our case and defend it ourselves. Um, he's a guy with an impeccable track record. Um, you know, we don't necessarily think this is fair, yada, yada, yada. What I would hope he says is that it's a very incendiary remark and he's able to stand up there and say, hey, look, it's Toronto versus everybody. The NHL is out to get us on occasion. We don't appreciate the fact that we have to uh, incur some level of taxation because we're the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Sheldon Keefe was right when he referenced that, hey, look, historically, there are so many incidents that play out that go either unpunished or get marginally the level of scrutiny. But because it's so magnified, you're going to punish us for that. It's just for that alone. It's because it's us and we don't like that. And so I think, I think that's what I would hope he would say. I think it'll be more muted than that, but I do think he'll, he'll kind of strike a balance where he's criticizing while also defending the player. I don't discount the possibility of the second thing. Like I, 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 well, first of all, yeah, you're not speaking about a suspension of one of your best players and saying, I think it was kind yeah, of the yeah. right call. Like, well done. The department of player safety. <laughs> This guy's a menace. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Removing him from the game was a good move by you. Like, clearly, he's going to disagree with the decision. This is also a guy that earlier this season felt it necessary to come down to the Toronto Maple Leafs dressing room and address his players after they did not stick up for their teammate in Timothy Lilligren mm -hmm. suffering an injury at the hands of Brad Marchand. So clearly, there's also going to be some messaging around, hey, this is exactly the, the type of response we're looking for from this group, from one of our leaders I don't discount the possibility of this guy getting his first kick of the can in this market. Understands what it's like to be in a Canadian market, but how different it is in Calgary to Toronto and him saying, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Like everything that happens here is the knob is turned up to not 11, 50, mm -hmm. right? So, um, and it's not fair. <laughs> and, and in my brief time here, I've understood that it's not fair, but that's fine. It's fine. We'll take your slings and arrows. We'll 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 go against the house every every single time we we step on the ice. I, I don't necessarily. I wouldn't give that a more than fifty percent chance of happening today, but I don't discount it entirely. Mm, interesting. Uh, I would like to see it. I think it would make for some great fodder. That's for sure. Uh, but I think your point, your initial point, is is a good one in in saying that he, clearly he's not coming out to be. To be like, yeah, we we are comfortable with it or no, we disagree, but we kind of see it. Uh, I also like the point you mentioned about the messaging behind, hey, this is the type of reaction we need from our team. And I think it is, you know, if, you know, even and I don't want to go too far off here, Ben, but I was thinking about that play specifically. Actually, Josh and I were having this conversation yesterday. Mm. If you look at that play, if you watch that play, mm -hmm. <laughs> where does Morgan Riley start? On that play. I mean, right behind Ridley he's, Gregg? He's behind the net. Mm -hmm. He's behind the Senator's net when the puck is at the blue line. And so, obviously, it's an extra man situation. And they're trying to tie the game, dying seconds. Nylander has a shot blocked. Morgan Riley is the last man. Like, he's behind the net. 
He's the last guy. He's the furthest away from the puck. He's the first guy back. Mm -hmm. He's the first guy back. Yeah, he's got his head down trying to track down Greg, even though he's got, you know, five feet on him and a wide open cage in front of him. And you're thinking, yeah, the game's over. But he still made the effort. And I still, I think like that is part and parcel of what's always plagued this team. That type of approach, that type of mentality. Morgan Riley at least has that. You see he cares. Mm -hmm. He gives a crap. Like, you know he does. And to me, that's important. And I think it might be reinforced a little bit by the messaging you hear from the GM today. Yeah, I I think he probably loved it. As I think every Leaf fan that, you know, has an emotional investment in this team also loved. If you're a hockey fan or a former player even, how could you not really, not I don't want to say love it, but how could you not understand it? How mm-hmm. could you not be able to um, identify with that? Mm-hmm. Because what are you talking, like, it, imagine you, and you referenced the Marshawn incident from earlier for this season. Mm-hmm. What would the narrative have been if really Greg marched down the ice, smacked a clapper into the open net, and nobody did anything? Mm-hmm. They'd be getting raked over the coals mm-hmm. as a team again. They just dealt with that earlier this season for the same thing where Marshawn's clowning them and you've got Bertuzzi chuckling on the bench. We just went through that. So naturally, it was actually completely necessary for somebody to do something, to do something, to react. Otherwise, we'd be sitting there and we'd be questioning their toughness, Mm -hmm. their, their, their fellowship, the camaraderie of the group, the, the. Just their 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 will, desire, result, everything would be on the table. But that conversation has at least been parked to the side because he went out and said, No, 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 that is unacceptable and we need to take we need to react accordingly. We need to respond. Daniela, I mean, it may end up being the best thing that ever happens to this team. Yes. That one, yeah, you get a reminder that this team is together and maybe a galvanizing experience. Plus, like we just mentioned it in the game they just played against the St. Louis Blues team that's not, you know, the Stanley Cup contender that we, we've seen a couple of years ago was on a pretty hot streak, winners of seven of their last eight. Limit them to 15 shots a game. You got Max Domi playing the most minutes of the season. <laughs> you got your depth players playing more significant roles. A guy in Bobby McMahon, you mentioned Alex Steves not knowing if he was going to play. Yeah, Bobby yeah. McMahon showed up to the, at yep. the arena yesterday not knowing if he was going to play, ends up with a hat trick. As long as the wins take care of themselves over the next four games, yeah, could end up being... Actually, save for Morgan Riley, who's gonna forfeit like two hundred grand yeah. over the span. Like, sorry for him. His wallet'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's still two hundred grand. Two hundred ah, grand. He'll be okay. He'll be making some he'll million be... bucks. Yeah. Uh, no, it could end up being ultimately uh, a net positive for this Leaf team. All right. When we come back, we get to see Pascal Siakam in his return to Toronto tonight. Also, Scotty Barnes and Darko Ryakovich with a difference <laughs> of opinion. Uh, when it comes to a meeting about mm, Scotty's leaving the bench in the Spurs game. That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis with Daniele Franceschi, Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Daniele Francesca filling in for Brent Gunning this morning. Pascal Siakam will be back tonight against the uh, Toronto Raptors down at Scotiabank Arena. His Pacers, a game under 500 since he arrived there. 
haven't played the most inspired ball. Mm-hmm. They just lost to Charlotte. It's not good. Yeah, that's not good. You don't want to lose to Charlotte. It's not. <laughs> Raptors would know. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and some like some interesting comments post game from uh, that game out of the Pacers locker room. But yeah, that's it. It's a team that's still shown flashes, uh, and we'll we'll see them against the Raptors. A Raptors team that's beaten them on the road already mm-hmm. this season. Um, before we get to the Siakam of it all, though, I think the more pressing matter is what's happening with Scotty Barnes and his head coach. And at last check, Scotty Barnes was getting swatted a hundred times, as was everybody else, by Victor Wembanyama on Monday, and the Raptors were trailing by thirty points, end up losing by what twenty two, twenty three. Anyways, an embarrassing defeat yep. to the third worst team record-wise in the NBA team with the 27th best offensive rating scored more than a hundred points through three quarters of that basketball game. Scotty Barnes sulked during the course of the 48 minute basketball game and then didn't quite get through 48 minutes on the bench with about five seconds to go. He departed and the broadcast showed him down the tunnel before all of his teammates chewing some gum. It seemed um, and there was a little bit of an addressing of the situation after that game, but like it was more a focal point of the media conglomerate yesterday after practice. So we'll, we'll play the, the responses from the two parties, Darko Royakovich and uh, Scotty Barnes yesterday. Oh, uh, leaving the bench. Yeah, we did. Uh, we talked about it. Uh, um, he thought that uh, it was a shot clock violation and uh, that the siren was already off. Um, he was not aware of it. And uh, yes, we did, we did have a talk uh, this morning about it. I uh, just brought awareness that him as a leader of, of the team, like he has to be aware of those those kind of things and uh, that he cannot overlook. Uh, and that obviously being that guy, you're going to be under, under always under Microsoft, my, 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 Microsoft so he's aware of it and uh, he regrets his his act from yesterday but uh, it was genuine just not being aware has Darko you know chatted with you about whether leaving the court early or like getting back on defense in this kind of thing recently no we didn't have no conversation about it you know but y'all know I guess we all can see I'm frustrated with this I guess more what it is you guys didn't have a meeting or anything this morning? Uh, we talked about, you know, the game, but that was really a fundamental thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, he did get around to the idea that, hey, you know what? It's not a great look, and I, I shouldn't do it. So I, th- I would implore people, before you have, like, a strong Scotty Barnes take, to actually go back and watch the play. Because, like, I think there's actually a legitimate case for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a, a real possibility that Scotty Barnes heard the, the shot clock horn and I get there's five seconds left and honestly go back and watch it's Greg Popovich and it's Darko Ryakovich actually shaking hands before the final horn of the game so there is that but it's also like he's the only guy doing it mm-hmm. so like there's it's not nothing it becomes more than the almost not nothing if the weirdness of yesterday doesn't take place there was an opportunity and Michael Grange I think wrote eloquently on it on sportsnet.ca about hey it really is like closer to nothing than some big thing, and I think the more significant conversation is what happens over the course of the forty-eight ga- uh, forty-eight minute game against a bad Spurs team, body language wise, effort wise, especially getting back on defense from Scotty Barnes, than him leaving a blowout with three seconds left. But they had a chance to put this thing in the rearview mirror yesterday, and it's it's not going to have legs throughout the entirety of the week. But like we're still here talking about it today because. 
Scotty Barnes didn't say, hey, yeah, we did talk about it, and it's uh, it was my mistake, and and I, it was just an honest mistake, and I'll make sure never to do it again. Instead, he's like, we didn't even meet. Oh, yeah, we did meet. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I actually am embarrassed, and I shouldn't do it. Like, well, what are we doing here? It's First off, it's really, really bizarre um, how this all sort of unfolded, and very unraptors-like because they do a very good job of – insulating these situations and not allowing it to blow up into something bigger than what it might actually be. But this has gotten out of hand. So I was surprised even from a PR standpoint that it got to the point where how is it possible that you could have two contradicting messages and, and you can't naturally it's always somewhat choreographed to where, you know, this question's going to be asked. This is how we need to approach it and respond with care and some detail in order to ensure that we are conveying the message we want to convey. That did not happen here. The, you know, there's two things that make this story, I think, bigger than probably what it actually is. One is what we heard yesterday from those two guys, without question, as outlined by the clip. Secondly, it's the fact that there's previous historic precedent with this own, with this franchise mm-hmm. involving a franchise player who did the exact same thing. Pascal Siakam, three, four years ago, whatever, it was during the 2021 yeah, yeah, the season. It was after the bubble season, so I guess whatever they were. It was, it, was, it, was the, it was like in the beginning of the 2020 season or whatever it was, 2020, 2021. They played Philly. He got fouled out. He walks off the court. They suspend him for a game. Also, <laughs> speaking of discipline, internal discipline, he, there was another instance where he got into a bit of a verbal spat with Nick Nurse and he got fined even 50 grand. And this is the guy that was like the leader, the best player on that team. Now, was sorry, Kyle Lowry was the leader. But Pascal was undoubtedly at that, at that point, they were looking to him as the best player on the team. We want you to take this, the reins and, and go forward with this. And they handed out supplemental discipline. I don't believe, Ben, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't think that comes just as a directive from Nick Nurse at that time. To me, that's a that's a joint collective decision made by all the key decision makers and figureheads in the organization to say, we feel it's appropriate to send a message and suspend the guy for a game or to fine the guy 50 grand for his conduct and the behavior that he displayed. That's why I think this is blown up. It's because of the historic precedent and what we heard yesterday. And then we circle it all back and he... What's interesting to me, if you listen to the whole availability, Scotty is given multiple opportunities by the reporters to basically clarify, to to expand, to make it clear that he's show some remorse and his understanding that you can't do that. But he's clearly lacks all the leadership traits that you would want to see. And Darko in his the clip we just heard referenced him as a leader. He can't be your, you don't need him to, if this is, there's a, there's a bit of a misnomer. I find Ben, sometimes your best player doesn't need to be your number one leader. He does. That doesn't need to always happen because personality traits differ. Not everybody is built that way, but what you do need is for those players that are of the upper echelon that are going to be leading your franchise, whether he's the guy or he's one of the guys they need to still possess leadership qualities and traits. And right now, what we saw yesterday, what we saw on Monday with him walking off, it's just a sign of immaturity. It's mm-hmm. it's just, that's the way, one word I used to describe it all, Im, it's immaturity. 
that mm-hmm. that we're seeing on display from him right now. Yeah, he's 22 years old, but yeah, it's it's okay. So like, what are I, I would say there's a lot of people immature at, at 30, right? Like For I, sure. I, I I think the question becomes like how much of this is ingrained in the personality trait of the human being, and how much can can be learned? How much can can you change? Um, is that a is that a sports thing? Is that a basketball thing? Or is that a like, hey, that's who you are kind of thing? That's a really good question. And and having experience of actually watching a lot of different kids go through pipe the pipeline from when they're young to being pro athletes or or highly touted players in the basketball world, all the way up until they go to college or or wherever their career ends. I can I can tell you, like, Scotty Barnes probably went most of his life, if not his entire childhood uh, into his teenage years all the way to college where he's just being lauded as the best player and you're getting treated differently than your teammates and that has an effect so how do you hold and I feel like it's different than what it would have been 20 30 years ago from that standpoint the way that basically now kids can make business decisions Mm. for them for their own best interest if you understand what I'm saying like if 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 I go well, to a situation, and, and if you're a franchise, there's a risk of even with a player under contract of alienating the player to a degree that he point. requests to be traded out of your city. Exactly. So you're always kind of now, especially in the NBA, even you're living not not in fear, but it's always in the back of your mind that that could happen, and you want to be able to just keep that relationship afloat as best you can, acquiesce at every turn. You don't want to cause any problems, but. At some point, there needs to be accountability. Does there not? To me, this, I would is, think. this is an example of a situation. How do you build a culture if that and if that's exactly. your job as a first-year head coach and Darko Ryakovich as this this guy that's going to lead this young Raptors team forward? How do you build a culture of of discipline and eventually, at some point, have your team playing defense if there's no accountability? <laughs> yes. Like how how is that? How how are you doing that? Yep. And it sounded like. He tried to to assert some accountability. I don't I don't know if much of that was received by Scotty Barnes. The impression I got is that it wasn't. Yeah, I'm with you. I, one of two things happened. Either they actually met, they discussed this, it was raised, and it went in one year out the other. Or mm. or this is the other thing. Scotty Barnes completely sewered his coach because his coach was going out there and trying to send a positive message to put some water on those flames, say, hey, this is not as much of a story. We're fine. We had a discussion, whatever. Just kind of try to park it and and get people off their backs, putting like a positive PR spin on it. But in reality, maybe they didn't have as much of an in-depth conversation. So I, I don't know where I fall on that. I Well, we won't know the truth, but it is a terribly bad look. It's an awful look. Here's, it really is. I, I can almost tell you with 100% certainty what exactly happened. They had a meeting, and they talked about the game in general, and it was one of the topics that they talked about. I think more specifically, they talked about the body language. And again, if I'm talking about things I'm more concerned with, it's the body language of the guy yes. over the course of a no blowout question. loss to one of the worst teams in the NBA, which, boy, you hope more of those aren't coming, but more losses are definitely coming, and how is he going to deal with that? Like, that's the more concerning thing than leaving a game because you thought the the shot clock uh, horn was the final game horn. Um, but yeah, I think they had a conversation about the game as a whole. And hey, next time you see seven foot five Victor Weminyama, like probably like <laughs> let's let's uh, stay away from the paint area. 
Uh, and maybe that was an overarching conversation to the entire <laughs> Raptors team. And that they had the the idea of of him leaving the bench before the game was over was raised. It wasn't maybe even the primary focus, but he got an explanation that he he actually probably understood from from Scotty Barnes. And Scotty Barnes took to not the podium, but took to a, a media scrum yesterday after practice and was embarrassed and kind of wanted to to downplay the whole thing and like is kind of. Uh, he's, he's perplexed as to why it's become a story at all because there is, again, like, go back and watch the play. There is an argument to be made that it's we're making a mountain out of a molehill in that regard. I don't think the conversation about the player and the mentality mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. is making a mountain out of I think there's a real burgeoning mountain there when it comes to, to Scotty Barnes. But he was like, this is stupid. Why are we talking about it? We barely broached it. I'm going to pretend like it, it it wasn't even an issue, not understanding how the disconnect in messaging would look and how quickly he could have actually returned that to a molehill if he had just said, hey, yeah, we did talk about yeah. it. I, I know I can't do that again. If we turn back the clock to a year ago, two years ago, and this same incident played itself out, do you think it'd be a, as much of a talking point? Well, what do you mean? During his rookie season? Let's say rookie season, Scotty, second year, whatever, either of those years. I mean, last year, it, I think I, it would have been a big point of contention considering how plateaued the progression was at that point. And it was a season in which Masai Ujiri traveled to New York City to have an yes, explicit yeah. conversation with him. That's okay. That's that's true. Added context there is important. I, I also think this is maybe a little bit more magnified. One of the point I'm trying to get at is I think it's a little more magnified because now he is undoubtedly the guy, the alpha, the handpicked, mm-hmm. anointed, like successor heir to the throne of like, you're now the face of our franchise. And because of that, I think he's learning. This is an example. You're learning that with that mantle comes a lot of extra and added responsibility. Mm-hmm. Whereas you maybe a couple years ago as a rookie or even last year, some of these little things, not don't, they don't go unnoticed, but there are other people that are, higher up on the pecking order that can take away, divert some of the attention. And as a result, now that there isn't anybody, Mm -hmm. you are the face, Mm -hmm. you are the focal point. It's now on you and it's going to be reflected. You pointed out, Hey, what, what's he going to read? What's his reaction going to be like in 20 games when the team is really bad still, and they're not winning and it's frustrating. They're getting blown out. What's his body language and his attitude going to be then? That's where he's going to learn because in eight in in March when they lose by twenty to uh, Cleveland, mm-hmm. he's going to have to step in front of a microphone, and he should because that is part of the responsibility that comes with being the face of the team. Yep, yeah, and that'll be important. But to me, the more important thing will be over the forty-eight minutes of the basketball game. Even when you're down twenty, do you keep looking you like try. you care? You care. I, you know what though. It's not exclusive to him, though, Ben. Yeah, Look sure. around the NBA. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. That is also the problem. It's it's not just him. Mm-hmm. And that is why the NBA, in a broader sense, is going through this existential crisis of, like, how do we get guys to care, to give a crap? Our fans are paying a bunch of money to come play, see them play. How do we get them to just care? I know it's a game in November, December, January. How do we get them to care? And that is, I think, part of the problem here with Scotty Barnes as well. Yeah, well, the, you, you have an in-season tournament. And we'll we'll see one of the finalists tonight. The, <laughs> yeah, that's the, true. <laughs> the runner-up from the in-season tournament, the Indiana Pacers uh, with uh, Pascal Siakam in town tonight. All right, when we come back, back into the Leafs and uh, Blue Jays pitchers and catchers reporting 
tomorrow. Still some notable free agents out there. Who makes the most sense for the Blue Jays if, in fact, they were willing to add yet another player to their roster? That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Daniele Franceschi, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.